Hello, and welcome to MGMA Small Talk, where we discuss issues facing practice administrators across the healthcare world. I'm Shannon Geis, staff writer and editor at MGMA, and today I'm speaking with Brigida Catronio, Deputy Chief Executive Officer for the Alliance for Academic Internal Medicine, a consortium of five medical professional associations. She is a senior healthcare executive with more than 25 years' experience leading in complex care delivery systems and nonprofit medical professional societies, foundations, and associations. Prior to joining AAIM, Brigida served as the Chief Operating Officer of the National Patient Safety Foundation and as a senior director at both Willis Eye Hospital and the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Brigida is also a member of the Women Business Leaders of the U.S. Healthcare Industry Foundation Advisory Board the Patrick Spann Foundation Board, and a past chair of the MGMA Board of Directors. Brigida helped lead a pre-conference session at this year's MGMA annual conference called Framework for Professional Development, Leadership Skills for Career Advancement. She's here today to talk with us about that presentation and about professional development what kind of, and what kind of skills you need to advance your career. Welcome, Brigida. Thanks, Shannon. I'm really uh, excited to be with you and to have a chance to talk about leadership. Um, MGMA has helped my career tremendously, and so I hope this is an opportunity to give back. Great. Um, first of all, first of all, just why is it so important for people to be thinking about career development and their leadership skills? I think first and foremost, it's important to have a plan. Most of us are givers. Um, Daniel Pink talked about the fact that uh, you have a high level of empathy if you go into healthcare in the first place. And so I think that you'll find across our discipline, many, many people love what they do, love patients, love their physicians, uh, and love working in their institutions. But I think you have to be self-focused as well. And so developing a career plan for your uh, next five years uh, is, is really imperative to being successful, but also being fulfilled in what you do. Um, you give to others, but you should give to yourself as well. Mm -hmm. um, why should administrators take the time to consider their own personality traits, strengths, and weaknesses? I think that goes to what you're able to offer to your organization and to the folks who work with you, um, both your direct reports, but also to your boss, uh, to your leadership team. I think that if you think about where your weaknesses or gaps, I like to call them gaps, where your gaps are, uh, there are usually people within the organization that can help fill those. And so once you do a self-assessment, um, it gives you an opportunity to go find others who can partner with you and help to make the organization better, but it also grows your skills. I think in terms of strengths and your, your tendencies, personality traits, um, again, knowing yourself makes you a better leader, but it also makes you a better coworker. And so it's just sort of fundamental things that I think you would do um, as you work toward excellence. Mm -hmm. um, what kinds of uh, self-assessments um, can people do, or what, kind of, what are some of the questions that you should be asking yourself in order to sort of gauge those, those things? I think in terms of self-assessments, there are lots of tools online, Strength Finders, DISC, Myers-Briggs, things that people are really familiar with that are relatively inexpensive and sometimes free that are helpful, but then a lot of times those need you to go find a facilitator or someone to help you sort of unravel the results. <laughs> you, you're sort of like, okay, it says I'm X and I don't know what X really means. So those are useful and helpful, but you might need some professional guidance um, reviewing the results. I do think that self-assessment, self-reflection is important. Asking yourself hard questions, finding out sort of where, where what am I thinking? Where am I right now? What do I recognize? 
what are the tendencies that I have? And then the hardest thing to do is to ask a colleague or a friend, uh, a mentor, a coach, what do they see? Because sometimes what we see in ourselves isn't what we are really reflecting out publicly. And so it's always helpful to have somebody else kind of give you feedback on what they see you doing or not doing. And that helps you, again, to begin to fill those gaps. Mm -hmm. Along those same lines, um, do you have any tips for people look looking to reach out to someone for as, as a mentor or as a coach or someone to help them sort of through that process? Sure. The first thing I tell people is think about what you want your commitment to be. It's a relationship and it's a very valuable relationship. Mentors typically help you with something short-term uh, or a specific goal or area where you need to brush up or strengthen your skills, but you have to go in as a mentee understanding that you're making a commitment to that person and that you're going to make a commitment to yourself to do the things that they ask you to do or that you promise to do. And I think likewise in a coaching situation, which sometimes is a little bit longer uh, in terms of how you work together, but the most important thing is, am I committed to doing the things that will need to be done to, to build on what I'm going to learn through this relationship? Because your mentor or your coach are going to be giving you quite a bit. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, one of the things that you, get, uh, you covered in your uh, pre-conference session was some strategies for dealing with bosses or managers. Um, making sure you are getting the most out of that relationship in particular. Um, what are some of the things that um, you guys sort of talked about strategy-wise? Transparency. Uh, I think first and foremost, conversation. I touched briefly on the idea that, that you need to have crucial conversations uh, with your boss, um, with your team leaders. It's really, really important that everybody's on the same page about information, direction, uh, goals for the organization, goals for the team or the unit, uh, if you're leading at that level. Those things are really important to have out and on the table so that everyone knows what they're working toward. I think then you have the opportunity to manage conflict well, to think about where you may need to readjust. We often get set on a path and we just don't want to turn around or we don't want to change and we have to be willing to do that. So I think those are the, some of the things that are really critical in order for you to move the work forward and to ultimately achieve the mission. Mm -hmm. What about a situation where you might have a quote-unquote bad boss? Um, how, how can you deal with that situation um, and make that, um, you know, maybe make it better? Yeah. So, you know, I, I like to think um, that there really aren't any bad bosses. So there are people who are hard to work for um, or difficult to to experience in the workplace. But what I like to, to do with those folks is to say, okay, what am I learning from this person? What leadership skills am I uh, going to avoid? Or what are the lessons from this relationship that I can take forward that will help me improve myself as a leader? So yeah, it's a difficult you know, conflict um, or just a bad sort of emotional connection with this person, but there are some lessons here for me. And let me try to focus on those. I think the other thing is, again, transparency in terms of conversation ask questions, find out, acknowledge that things aren't going well, find out why. Um, don't personalize it immediately. Say, I'm not sure if we have, we have a disconnect, I'm not sure why. What can we do to try to change this? See if the person is willing to reach out. Sometimes you find out that they're really stressed, they're afraid, 
they have issues going on in the organization that because of your work level, you weren't privy to those things. So it really wasn't about your in, your one-to-one -one relationship. It was much bigger. So give it an opportunity. Give, give them a chance. Sometimes it still doesn't work out very well. But again, you're growing and learning, and that's the most important thing. Yeah. Great. Um, one of the big topics that you guys discussed yesterday um, was how to use data and other organizational intelligence intelligence uh, to create um, an individualized plan. Um, how how can you uh, can you go into that a little bit and why understanding this data is so important? It's really paramount and it's so funny because uh, in the presentation yesterday I told the group I hate data, I hate doing this. Um, and mostly because data is, is, is retrospective, right? You're looking back at uh, information you've collected because of something that's happened in the past. And so uh, I like looking forward and it's like, okay, yeah, we know that, but you know, how am I going to move forward with it? What am I going to do differently? But then that's also what's most important. Data helps us to understand what we've done. Uh, what those results are, how we can improve those results, uh, whether we want to continue those activities. And so ignoring it, um, I think, is, is pretty perilous. Um, and it, it also is a way of documenting excellence. People don't think of it that way, but um, you know, we're not, we try not to be competitive in healthcare, so to speak. Uh, we want to just care for the patient and you know, meet those, those really nice altruistic goals, but data helps you to show really great performance, good quality, safety records, all of those things that are really important in patient care. So use it to your advantage um, and let it speak to uh, your decision-making process as well, because I think that it validates your direction and um, and all of that is really important. Um, so even though I say I don't like it, it, it really is important to us doing a good job mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day. Is there are there certain ways that you can use data um, to to grow uh, individually within your within your practice or within your organization? Yeah, we talked a lot about dashboards yesterday, and folks were sharing examples in their own shops, and we had a few slides uh, on on building dashboards to look at metrics that are important. The one thing that I think is really cool is, uh, and Sarah Larch, uh, one of my colleagues, put this slide together. Um, is pick one or two things that are super important that you're going to measure and track those and be consistent about what you track and be consistent about when you report it out and need to make decisions on it. And then there's probably two or three, five things that would cascade under those really top two important things, but be consistent track the same information so that you can do comparative analysis. Um, come to agreement with your team on what's really important. And I think for me, what's most important is come to agreement with your team on what you're going to do about what you found out. Because uh, often you'll get information and you put it aside. It's the old adage of bringing a consultant in to do your strategic plan and then putting it on the shelf. Yeah, don't do that with your, with your tracking reports because uh, you'll miss opportunities. Great. Um, uh, one of the things that you guys spent a lot of time on is is developing personal uh, goals and and an action plan um, to to attain those. Why do you think it's so important to uh, identify personal priorities and to to manage um, to to give yourself time for those? Yeah, uh, because having uh, no plan is a plan, and you know I know it sounds sort of uh, trite and you know kitschy, but if you don't decide what you're going to do, you will still end up doing a lot of stuff. 
And the point is uh, to create your own personal action plan uh, is to say, these are the things I'm going to focus on. Here's where I'm going to spend my energy. Here are the things that are important to my organization that I have to achieve. Here are some things I want to achieve for myself. And this is how it will contribute to the work that I do or contribute to my own personal fulfillment as a professional. So you've got to, you have to decide those things though. Those are intentional activities. I think the other thing that we do, I'm really guilty of this, is we forget about our personal life. Um, so people talk about work balance and work-life integration. One person that I talked to recently said it was juggling, but you have to figure out what are those things in my personal life that are important to me? Can I integrate them uh, or can they run in parallel so that I can feel like I'm achieving on both sides? But regardless, you have to have a plan and you have to write it down so that you actually do it. Yeah. Are there any uh, tips that you have uh, for creating this plan, any specific things that people should be thinking about or um, any processes that, they should, that are helpful in, in doing that? Yeah, I think the most important thing for me is to pick a point in time when I'm going to do this. Um, the beginning of a year, the beginning of my, my company's fiscal year, some point where it's a sort of a drop-dead date. I have to look at what just happened over a, you know, a year. I need to assess the results, and then I need to decide what's important to carry forward because everything isn't accomplished in a year. Um, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds, but it's going to take a little longer because I have health issues, or we want to raise our... Um, our revenue by 15%, but I've got payer issues. So be realistic about your goals, but pick a time during a year when you have a starting point and then do regular check-ins with yourself. Write it down, assess where you are, make decisions about what you can do next, and then and move forward with it. And I think at the end, the, the, the most important thing is to um, think about how you're going to detail your results and then take action based on those results. Yeah. Um, another topic that you guys uh, talked a little bit about was emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And why do you think that's so important to be considering? I think it's important because if you can't see others as where they are and, and how they're interacting, how they feel, it's very difficult to get them to buy into a team concept. It's really hard to ignore someone's feelings or the interactions with people uh, and continue to get them to allow you to lead them and uh, buy into the work that you need to do. So you have to be empathetic, you have to be patient, you have to be a listener, all of those things, I think, make up uh, the key points of emotional intelligence. And without it, it, as a leader, it's just very, very difficult to get people to buy into what the overall goals are. And I think that they feel respected, and folks will do a lot more for you and the organization if they feel like you respect them as a person. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, let's see. Uh, what role do you think good leadership skills play into personal and career development? And what are some of the steps that, uh, that people can take to improve those? That's a great question because I, I think there's so many things that are intangible. Um, I think recognizing how visible you are as a leader is probably at the top of my list. People see you in 
many situations that you don't even recognize they're paying attention to. Um, people watch how you respond to others. It determines how they're going to interact with you. People see whether you're compassionate, um, goal-oriented, all of those things. And so I think that as a leader, you have to decide that you are upfront and visible. You know, there's the joke that if you're, um, you know, leading and you look over your shoulder and no one's following you, then you're just taking a walk. Um, it, it's important to understand that your leadership's predicated on the folks who are willing to work with you and follow you um, and buy into the things that you've decided are important to do. So it's, it's daunting because um, you're out there by yourself a lot. And, um, and, th and that's really hard because even though you're out there alone on this little island of decision making, you can't do any of it by yourself, right? You need a group of people um, and resources to help you get things done. So it's a balancing act. Um, it's painful sometimes because you make decisions for the good of the whole that affect individuals in a negative way. Um, and uh, you make decisions that are difficult sometimes uh, for people that you really care about. But at the end of the day, I think if you respect them and you're transparent in your communications and people can trust that you're gonna do the things you say you're gonna do, you'll be okay. Um, and how can you set a personal strategic plan for your career? What's um, maybe a process for thinking about that? I love forms. <laughs> um, there are tons of forms out there that are free. There's one online called a one-page strategic plan, and you can use it for your company or you can use it for yourself, and it's interactive and it's great. Um, and I think that the first thing you have to do is a self-assessment of where have I come from? What have I done? How effective was it? What did I miss? What do I need to continue doing? What do I need to stop doing? Once you answer those questions, then I think it's helpful to sit down and think about how aligned or misaligned are all of those things with where I work. And if there's a big gap in between those two things, then you've got some decisions to make. Ultimately, go to a mentor, your personal board of directors, um, you know, your boss, someone that you trust to talk about your career and say, let's do an assessment, tell me what you see. Here's what I think I've accomplished. How important is this? And then from that, you distill all that information and you can make a, make a plan for yourself. Great. Well, we've covered a lot, um, and this is just a, just a sliver of, of what you discussed in your pre-conference session, but is there anything else that you'd like to add or any um, last tips or, or thoughts? Well, you know, um, I, I had so much fun yesterday because I met so many new people, and that is something that I think is uh, one of the hallmarks of, of being a member of MGMA, ACMPE. And one of the things I said to the group yesterday, um, when we were talking about personal boards of directors, one person said, I don't have enough people in my community um, that I can rely on for that. And I said, look around you, there are about 100 people in the room, there are 3,000, almost 4,000 people at this, at this meeting. Find three people, meet them, start talking to them. They're not going to be your board of directors tomorrow, but they are folks that are going to be in your network. And so if 
I couldn't just emphasize anything else. Use this professional opportunity to begin to build that cadre of people that at all levels can help you navigate. Think about, you know, real technical stuff like MACRA, but then also, should I quit my job and, you know, take on this volunteer opportunity? That spectrum of folks are available in MGMA. And that, you know, frankly, Shannon, includes the staff because you guys see things that we don't see. So um, I think this has been a great opportunity, and I'm hoping that everybody will continue to take advantage of it. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, to learn more about the leadership skills you need to get ahead and to read more about Brigida's session at MGMA Annual Conference, check out our episode page at mgma.org podcast, and stay tuned for more from the November-December issue of Executive View. Thanks for listening to MGMA Small Talk. Tune in next time when we talk to Dr. Mark Tomasulo about his experience with direct primary care.